Hey super friends, my name is Neil and this is episode 48 of the Get Your Comic Con podcast. We're here fortnightly-ish to bring a slice of comic book, film, TV and pop culture goodness from our studio to your speakers. I am of course joined by my very own boy wonder himself, Martin. Say hello Martin. Hello Martin. How are you today? I'm alright. Cold? I'm bloody freezing. <laughs> Welcome to winter. What we got on the menu for today's episode? Stuff. Well, coming up on this week's show, we've got a news roundup featuring Zack Snyder's Justice League, Godzilla, news on Tomb Raider 2, the first trailer for Superman and Lois, and a Harry Potter series in development at HBO Max. Not a Harry Potter. Yes. And then we're going to have a general discussion about the state of Star Trek uh, to celebrate the fact that Star Trek Discovery Season 3 has just finished on Netflix. Lower Decks Season 1 is now available on Amazon Prime. Picard Season 1 is now available on DVD, Blu-ray and on digital, as well as on Amazon Prime in the UK. And just generally, how you feel about Trek these days. We've not had a, you know, not laid the groundwork on how Trek is these days for a little while. So, without further ado, we will kick off with the news. So first up, we got our first look at the trailer for Godzilla vs. Kong. That film is going to be coming to HBO Max and select theatres in the US from... uh, It was originally March the 26th, but it's now been pushed back to March the 31st. Here in the UK, we're still awaiting confirmation as to whether it's going to be a similar release date. Uh, There are plenty of rumours that the film is actually going to release in May here in the UK, but unconfirmed as yet. Trailer, what did you think? It was okay. What did you like? Um, it was alright. I mean, it... what didn't you like? I, I didn't. Really, I, it's just a Godzilla film, wasn't it? It was like, oh, monsters. All right, it's you get what you get, really, don't you? Okay. A couple of monsters, people screaming, ah, no, and then it's finished. Fair enough. I have to admit, I'm a little bit cautious on this film after Godzilla: King of the Monsters. I liked Godzilla, the the one with kick-ass Aaron Taylor-Johnson in it and Walter from Breaking Bad from a few years ago. I liked that film. I was alright with Kong Skull Island but um, Godzilla King of the Monsters was a bit of a weird one uh, which we've talked about on this podcast before haven't we? We reviewed it on this podcast I think after going to the screening Um, and having a strange incident with the fitness YouTuber. Yeah no I didn't like that. (laughs) But it was it wasn't quite the film that I hoped it was going to be, so I'm not 100% sure about this one. Much of the same cast are back again. Those who survived the last one, like Millie Bobby Brown and her dad, are back in this one, as well as more of the Monarch company that's kind of been the through line for this version of the Godzilla Kong universe. It's going to be interesting. There appears to be a glimpse of Mecha Godzilla in the trailer, so that could, that could be interesting to see how they bring that about in a slightly more grounded version of King Kong and oh. Godzilla. I've never seen King Kong. You've never seen King Kong? No. Or any version of it? Well, no, not the newest one. New one? Oh, no, yeah, we talked about this, didn't we? Yeah, you've not seen the version with Loki and Captain Marvel. Yeah, no, I've not seen that. Did you fancy it? It's <laughs> fair enough. I mean, you don't really like Pacific Rim either, which is a similar type of film. No, it was all right. I mean... Giant Monster's not really your thing. Yeah, you get what you get, really, don't you? Giant Monster, smashy, smashy. Job's done. Job done. Job done. Okay, well, that's it. there we go. James has done a really cool piece on the trailer for this film and some of the deep dive moments that you might want to check out. So if you head over to our website, www.getyourcomicon.co.uk, you can check that out now. You can also head over to our YouTube channel to watch the trailer. Next up is the news that MGM has found itself a new writer and director for the upcoming Tomb Raider 2 film, which was originally due for release in 2021, but did not manage to get production off the ground in 2020 due to COVID, so has been postponed till 2022. Alicia Vikander will be returning as Lara Croft, and it had initially been announced that Ben Wheatley was going to be writing and directing this film, but he, uh, for reasons unknown, has now left and has been replaced by Misha Green. Why do you know the name Misha Green, boy wonder? Um, I, I don't, I'm not very good with names. You've got to help me a bit with the names. Oh, but we had this conversation last night while we were playing computer games with the Hulks. I know, but you say a lot of things and I don't quite listen to all of it. So Misha Green is the creator, writer and director of Lovecraft Country, oh, the TV series. Oh, yes. So she, this is going to be her first feature film. This is her debut feature. 
but she is now writing and directing Tomb Raider 2. It doesn't have a new release date as yet, but as I said, Alicia Vikander is returning as Lara Croft, and it's envisaged that the film will go into production this year and release in 2022. That last film was released in 2018 and grossed, I think it was around $275 million worldwide, so not a, it, was, it would be classed as a modest box office hit. That's a nice wee bit of spare change, if you ask me. Well, you ask me as well, especially because it was made on a hundred million budget. But, you know, these days, if you're not making a billion, then you're not really doing very well, are you? Well, so. you've got to cover your advertisement, all those posters being printed. I mean, it all adds up. Well, exactly. Also, in the last couple of weeks, we got to see the first full trailer for Superman and Lois. The series premieres on The CW in North America on Sunday, February the 23rd. The Flash has now postponed its Season 7 opener so that they can extend Superman and Lois. It's not a two-hour episode, it's a 90-minute episode that will be followed by a 30-minute documentary called Legacy of Hope. We've seen a previous trailer, which uh, didn't really have any footage from the show, but was more of a stylistic kind of uh, introduction to the characters. This is our first time seeing footage from the show itself. So what did you think of this one? It was very... Uh, Man of Steel. It is very Man of Steel, isn't it? It's been coloured to look very like the the tones of Man of Steel, and it has quite a serious edge to it as well. It's very tonal. Mm-hmm. Doesn't feel like the other CW shows so much, apart from maybe Batwoman, which is by default darker. I feel like they were trying to do HBO style mm. on CW and sort of move away from the the classic, I don't want to say cheesy, well I would say cheesy, CW style. I would agree. It doesn't feel in keeping with the rest of the Arrowverse, which is quite interesting. I expected something in a similar vein to The Flash, but this wasn't at all. Thank God. It's got the same aspect ratio, if the trailer is to be believed, as Batwoman as well. So you know how Batwoman's slightly widescreen in comparison to the others. This feels like perhaps... A step in a a newer direction and a a more unified uh maybe dc look across the multiverse yeah that that's what i mean i was going to say across different mediums so you know if the hbo max shows have got a similar aspect ratio to the cw shows that there's just a there's a unification of the branding perhaps i was just saying it in less words yes you were So the show stars Tyler Hecklin, who's been playing Superman for a number of years now in the Arrowverse, and he'll be joined by Bitsy Tulloch as Lois Lane. You've also got Alex Garfin and Jordan Elsass as sons Jonathan and Jordan Kent. One of the other really interesting aspects of the production for this one that's very, very different to the other CW shows is they've purpose-built a town for the set. So obviously Flash, Arrow, Supergirl all film around... Um, Vancouver and you get those places like there's that certain square that's been used so many times in all the different shows and Batwoman separated itself slightly by filming on sound stages in Vancouver and some bits of exterior in Vancouver but then also flying the cast to Chicago to do the whole Gotham look and make it different but this has got its own purpose built town so and it's it's not just like fronts either some of the some of the shops are actually fully built sets as well so that you can go in it's like a proper backlot purposely built for superman which is interesting a small set of smallville i i think my biggest reservation is why superman well not necessarily why superman would move to smallville there's a you know he wants to raise the family and he wants to raise the family away from metropolis but how do you do a superman story that has the scale of a superman story in a town like smallville the reason that Smallville, a TV series, worked was because he wasn't Superman. He was young Clark Kent growing up. So does the focus become more on Jonathan and Jordan? Or is this still a Superman story, being his name in the in the title? But I don't know. What do you think about big character like Superman in small town like Smallville? What do I think? I've never really thought about it. <laughs> that would be think, a good chance. What do you think about it now? <laughs> a really good podcast today. I don't really think about any of this stuff. Um, no, I mean, it would be interesting. Uh, I suppose it'd be interesting to see how long he stays there and what... I look from the trailer, I'm gabbling. It looks like there's lots of military people. There's like a secret military base there. And so it's. I think that's um, General 
I was meant to call him General Kent. General Lane is Lois's dad and the military. So is there something? I mean, that could be a big baddie for him to go up against. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so it We're could. going to discover there's some like secret kryptonite manufacturing plant underneath a farm or something. I don't know. I mean, is it going to be about the super sons and he's just there? Could be. You never know. I mean, we, we know very little about it at this point, other than the titles for the first few episodes, which I can tell you. So episode one is called Pilot, funnily enough. Episode two is called Heritage. Episode three is The Perks of Not Being a Wallflower. Episode four is called Haywire. And episode five is The Beacon. So air dates for those episodes are Feb 23rd, March 2nd, March 9th, March 16th, and March 23rd. So it's at least the first five episodes are going to air every week without the usual kind of gaps. And it's a... 13 episode season as well so this is not running for 22 23 episodes which could be quite nice oh i don't like it when they run for 23 24 it feels like it was on forever mm, i know what you mean we are spoiled by streaming and cable quality storytelling that is condensed into smaller series short and punchy yes we don't know yet where superman and lois is going to air in the uk whether it will go to Sky One, like the majority of the rest of the Arrowverse, or follow Batwoman to E4, or could go somewhere else entirely, like Black Lightning could go to Netflix, or like BBC Two or something. I don't know. Do they even show programming like that anymore on BBC Two? It's well, not like know. the days of Buffy at tea time. I used to watch me six o'clock, six o'clock Simpsons, half six Buffy. Oh, we treat Buffy with so little violence that it was edited down to like twenty minutes. Well, it's BBC. <laughs> A wee bit Farscape as well. <gasps> so next on the list of news items for this week, I've got Harry Potter coming to HBO Max. Now, we don't know very much about this story at all. There's very, very little news other than uh, a vague rumour that HBO Max is in development with no names attached, producing, writing, starring, anything, for something in the world of Harry Potter as a TV series. Unlikely to be a retelling, more of a let's find another part of the Harry Potter world and, and tell a story based in it. Now, I'm not I'm not, not a Harry Potter fan, but I'm not a huge Harry Potter fan. So, opinion from you on this one. How do you feel this could work or not work, as it were? I don't know. It's quite a controversial area at the moment, anything Potter related. It is, isn't it? Yeah. And you almost got to tread incredibly carefully around it, or does not mention it at all. Well, production continues on Fantastic Beasts 3 at the moment. I mean, those films are a bit... Ooh. But then it's interesting, because she's not a screenwriter. She's nope. not really a... But she has written them. But she wrote them with somebody else. So yeah. all the Potter films are written with somebody else as the adaption. So they have that bit of an insight as to what works on screen. Yeah. So I think what they're bringing that man back for the third one, aren't they? They've redone the script for Fantastic Beasts so that he's got some input. Have they? You might be telling me something I don't know. Oh, I think so. Have a look. <laughs> Have a goog. Good lord. What are you telling me that I don't continue? Um you're telling me something that I don't know. I could be talking at my bum here. Um but that's my understanding of it anyway. So then I think a TV series. Oh, look at that. Writing credits, J.K. Rowling based on characters created by and written by J.K. Rowling and Steve Cloves. That's the picture. Uh Steve Cloves, who also worked as a writer on The Amazing Spider-Man, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Parts 1 and 2, Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey. Well, that's something to do with the Wizarding World. Half-Blood Prince, Goblet of Fire, Prisoner of Azkaban, Chamber of Secret. He wrote, he wrote all of, well. I'm, I'm, I'm a gasp. I did not know that. You've taught me something I didn't... I mean, I did say I wasn't a huge Harry Potter fan at the start of this segment, but you've taught me something I didn't know. Good, you're sitting there clutching your puddles and everything. This, this, is a, that's a, this is a first for this podcast. I'm flabbergasted. Well, let's get back to the discussion. Anyway, yeah, sorry, so continue. What was I saying? Uh, so you were talking about the fact that she's not a screenwriter, so someone's always worked with her. Yeah, so that so, man. Yeah, so do you think then that this one, if they've brought him in and he hasn't worked on the previous two, that this might be a slightly more solid entry into the wizarding world? Well, you would hope so, because he's got a good understanding of what works, what doesn't work. I mean, because those films were pretty successful, I think. Yeah. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but they were quite successful. So hopefully that having his sort of guidance to steer her or them, they can work together to make a bit more That is good. I, engaging, I think. I agree with you. Uh, had I known that, I would probably be feeling a bit better about the third one at the moment. But we'll see. I mean, we don't have they recast Depp? Yes, Mads Mikkelsen. Hannibal. Oh, yeah. Jen Ursos. Yeah. Dad. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. 
who is excellent. He's never in anything bad. Well, exactly. I mean, he's a good all-rounder, isn't he? So, TV series. We're, yeah. We've gone way off now. I mean... Peace has been lost completely. Head back that way. It's been through, put through the shredder. So, a TV series, I think it could work. It depends on what it is. I've seen some talk around Harry the Aura and the original cast coming back. Oh, yeah. Because apparently they're open to it, but nobody's asked them yet. So, I don't know. I mean, it's not like they're doing lots of work anyway, are they? Hogwarts the next generation. I mean, Daniel Radcliffe's a pretty in-demand actor. Yeah, Rupert Grint's in um, one of the Apple TV series. Okay. Don't know what, well, Emma Watson pretty much left for the world of fashion, did she not? She went to college. So, I mean, they might come back. But then you've got to think that's already been sort of touched on a bit with the stage show. Yeah, yeah that's true. A, a conclusion to them growing up, so maybe they do something else. You could go, you could do anything with it. You could look at his kids. I see in my head I'm just envisioning like Saved by the Bell the new class but Harry oh Potter God, like some sort of coming of age kids in Hogwarts kind of thing you could go to one of the other schools yeah we've been to America you could go somewhere else who knows it's like Game of Thrones you can go like a million years in the past and try something completely different true yeah I mean like I said at the beginning of this new segment there is no executive producer attached there's no writers attached it's just an idea that warner brothers is supposedly developing for hbo max at the moment so it's a bit of a watch this space we don't make anything new do we no that's true <laughs> that brings us on to our last news story uh this is breaking news from yesterday which is that Zack snyder's justice league will premiere on hbo max on march the 18th 2021 the news was announced by Snyder himself on social media with the release of three quite cool new posters for the film. Uh, so there's one which is a broken Justice League emblem, which is similar to one of the posters released for the original film. There's also a poster that features film reels of the film just uh, just lying amongst the rubble. And the third one is a take on the classic Death of Superman cover with um, with the, the cape kind of broken as a, as a flag, only instead of the S symbol, it's got... A, uh, a Justice League symbol on it and actually if you look really closely so this is me showing Martin on my phone there's an Aquaman trident Wonder Woman's shield and Batman's cowl in amongst the rubble that's in the poster uh, I don't know if anybody's found anything from Flash or Cyborg yet presumably there's something lurking in there that we've not quite seen from either of them but it's kind of showing the broken Justice League which is interesting because this is supposed to be the formation of the Justice League but this is very much a showing a sort of broken version so i mean i'm intrigued to know what that symbolizes for the film itself what a metaphor we still don't have a uk release plan for it yet we now know that the film is absolutely releasing as a film and not uh, a four chapter kind of series on hbo max it's also been confirmed that as part of the rollout for the film there are some international dates which have now been publicized so i will read these out for you to tell you where and when you will be able to see it so territories in the Nordic region, which includes Sweden, Denmark, Norway and Finland, plus territories in Central Europe, including Hungary, Romania, Bulgaria, the Czech Republic, Slovakia, Bosnia and Herzegovina, Macedonia, Serbia, Slovenia, Poland, Montenegro and Croatia, and then Asian territories, including Indonesia, Malaysia, the Philippines, Singapore, Thailand, Vietnam, Hong Kong and Taiwan will all have the film either immediately or as HBO Max rolls into those particular territories. There is an update that's just come out saying that Crave has been announced as the exclusive outlet for the film in Canada and will also have it from March the 18th. So as I said, still no news on the UK release, but you know. There's also a strong rumour that there's going to be a new trailer for the film that's going to drop on Valentine's Day, so that's February the 14th. Uh, that news does come from Grace Randolph. Uh, so take that with a pinch of salt. But she is friends with Zack Snyder, so she may be right. We'll have to wait and see. Possibly a new trailer coming soon. I noticed you could have missed when I said the, the name. It says there was wind. <laughs> oh, do you not give her the time of day? No. Exactly. Moving swiftly on. I think we've talked about it before, but I am excited for this film to come out. Where are you at in your Justice League anticipation at this point? Um, what's is it like a scale or one to five? Yeah. I'm like a four. Oh, two. <laughs> is this the road to nowhere? Road to nowhere, like the song. We're on the road to nowhere. No, I just meant that you don't feel like it leads to anything, and it's a little bit pointless retreading old territory. Well, I'm just. I mean, I'm not. 
I don't know. I think it's a nice idea, but like I said, if it happened, I'll watch it. If it didn't happen, yeah. I wouldn't. I wasn't going to lose any sleep about it. No. No, I'm not like, okay. It's nice. It would be nice to see those characters again, but I don't know. It's a bit bittersweet because nothing else is going to come after it. Well, we've been proven wrong before because well, we said this was never going to happen, so we'll have to wait and see. We'll have lots around the Justice League release as it's coming up for March the 18th in America, so don't worry, there'll be plenty more coverage, and we will, of course, be reviewing it uh, on the website and on podcasts, so get ready for a whole lot more Justice League in the very near future. That's it for the news this week. Don't forget that if you want to catch up with the biggest stories every week, you can check on our Twitter and Instagram TV feeds and YouTube channel. Uh, Friday nights around 6.30 GMT, we release a newsreel video hosted by one of the team where we recap the biggest stories from the week. And if there's anything that we've not covered that you would like us to cover, please do get in touch. You know how to find us on social media. We are at Get Your Comic On on Twitter and Instagram. Right. Time to boldly go where we've been before on this podcast, but haven't been for a little while, so we're catching up. There is a lot going on in the world of Star Trek, uh, mainly on the small screen, but some development on the big screen as well. So I thought that it was worth us circling back around to the world of Trek, given that as I listed at the beginning of this podcast, Discovery Season 3 has just come to an end on Netflix. Season 4 is around halfway through production. Lower Decks Season 1, which is currently uh, producing Season 2, is now finally available in the UK on Amazon Prime. Picard, which starts production on Season 2 next week, has just released Season 1 on DVD and Blu-ray and digital, obviously already available to stream on Amazon Prime here in the UK. And... I just, I find Trek fascinating and the reactions to the way Star Trek currently is quite fascinating, which is why I wanted to talk about it a little bit. But let's do this one a little bit at a time. Star Trek Discovery Season 3. Thoughts on this from you, Boy Wonder? Oh God, that's a very deep dive, isn't it? That was like two lockdowns ago. It just finished like a month ago. That was a long time ago. (laughs) Well, I don't even think it was a month ago. I don't really know when it finished. It was a bit longer than a month ago, I think. Two months. Maybe. Oh, my thoughts. Um, I, I liked it, I think. I did. It was very good. Very high action packed. Very Star Trekky at its core. It was nice to see a return to the, the old ways of Starfleet. I think it was a really good season this year. I'm really impressed by how it came into its own by going into the future and losing all of that connection to old Star Trek. Agreed. Highlights from season three that you can remember? Uh, oh, all of it. <laughs> no, no particular moments or storylines or anything that stood out for you. We got a new captain. We got some new characters. We got an upgraded ship. We got some new tech. Well, like the the Voyager J. Yeah, that stuck out. That was exciting. So they got a new way to kind of honor the canon of Star Trek, rather than being tied to it as closely as they were. So now they can just honour things that were passed. So we had a passing reference to Picard as well. We got to see Spock as well. We got a little nod to Leonard Nimoy. And we're back to Vulcan. Not called Vulcan anymore. Mm. So, okay. So there's something. So moments like that where they took something that you know really well from the idea of classic Trek and put a new spin in it for this future setting. How did you feel about some of that? I thought it was done very well. Very nice to acknowledge the sort of the Kelvin timeline and mm. all these other bits and pulling it all together. So acknowledging that there is a Star Trek multiverse. Which is interesting because, and this is part of why I wanted to bring this back and why I wanted to talk about the state of Star Trek in general, is there just seems to be so many hugely polarising reactions to it and a lot of discourse around it and a lot of very anti what Star Trek seems to represent now and a feeling that it's poorly led, poorly written, poorly executed. But actually, I feel like what we saw through season three there was, okay, Kelvin timeline, let's grab that. They might make, you know, they might not make another film from it, but let's just connect that here. So that's still part of this. It's just its own thing over there. Here's a reference to Picard. So let's pull in what's happening over there. When we went to the the new Vulcan-Romulan joint homeworld, we met someone from the... Or we, we got um, 
Burnham's mum back and she was a member of the Co-op Millart, which, you know, pulls in a story thread from Picard itself. I don't I don't necessarily agree with the idea that Trek is very splintered and very broken and not very well led at the moment. Do you have any opinions on that? I mean, I just don't understand any of it, really. There's just a lot of hate out there, I think, for everything. No matter what you do, somebody's not going to like it. True. So was there anything about season three that you weren't so keen on? <laughs> Nothing that you hated, because we're not saying that word. Uh, but was there anything that you felt they didn't do maybe as well? Um, not really. I think I would probably say the burn didn't quite end up being the storyline I hoped that it would be. It was very Star Trek, though. It was. And I think I said to you, didn't I, that it made me realise that Discovery is not maybe about big sweeping sci-fi concepts, which still exist. But it's always going to be, we want to tell an emotional storyline first. So there was a, a more of an emotional reason for it than a tricky reason for it. Yeah, it wasn't the Omega Particle or something. No. Which would have been cool. Yeah. But at the same time, it was an emotional grab you by the short and curlies and give you that emotional pull. Mm-hmm. Was, so uh, there was that was something that you didn't feel disappointed by? Well, no. not, that's not fair. I wasn't disappointed by it. It just wasn't quite what I thought it was going to be. Yeah, it was different. I was like, oh, that's different. But I liked it because it was very like, oh, okay, I understand. We're going to be like very classic-y Trek and talk our way through this. Yeah. Not zap it. So that's one of the plot points that I talked about in in my kind of social media commentary on the finale. And I got some very interesting responses on it. Again, goes into this whole weird discourse around new Star Trek. But I was completely inundated by people saying, well, I'm sorry, but this was just a quote on um, male anger and trying to put men in a box because he was a child whose anger caused the destruction of dilithium and caused hundreds of lives to die. And apparently it's all just a commentary on being anti-masculine, anti-male, and anti-male anger. But was he a man? Do he we was know a Kelpian. Do they have gender? But what's their gender? I mean, are they, do they have male, female? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I can't now remember off the top of my head if, it, if there are gender pronouns mentioned in the episode for the character. But that was how it seems to be interpreted by this kind of group of people within the internet that feel that Star Trek is too feminist and anti-male now. I mean, I don't, I, I don't understand enough about the underlying arguments around this. I think that's part of my problem, that I'm thing. not sure that the arguments that exist have enough of a basis to be a relevant argument at the end of the day it's storytelling i don't feel like it's storytelling that's pointed at anything in a particular respect so one of the other things about this season is the fact that we brought in our first ever trans character and they obviously had well so you had trans and you had non-binary so you had the the trill being related to the idea of being non-binary because the worm can live for hundreds of years and can go into a male body or a female body and so they are essentially gender fluid as characters and then that character was obviously paired with a trans character and that that has caused some people to say well I'm turning my back on Star Trek because why do I need to have a gay couple, a non-binary person, a trans person, it's all it's all for the sake of it and not because the story warrants it but it's a story, the story is whatever you want to write the story to be that's what I find very confusing about the whole thing is what's what's wrong about making a choice to represent people. And my argument to anybody that says to me that they don't like that stuff is, okay, uh, are you a parent? Okay, you are a parent. What if your child said to you, I really like Star Trek, but I feel I'm non-binary and I don't see myself represented and I think that's really sad. That's always my argument is, what if it was somebody that you loved that saw themselves in that character? Because at the end of the day, they're just trying to make it so that anybody who watches it can potentially see themselves reflected on screen. Which, if you ask me, is what Star Trek has always been about. It's always been about, sort of. It's a, an advanced race in the future that, you know, they've moved beyond all this stuff. 
and ironically, its audience that claims to be the older part of its audience, and I'm that's a sweeping generalization, um, are the ones that want to drag it back to the things that it's supposed to represent being beyond. One thing which I've always wondered, um, so I just started a rewatch of The Next Generation, and you know how we talk about Starfleet and Earth has moved beyond the idea of commerce and we don't have jobs, we don't have salaries. We're in the pilot when they're at Farpoint, Beverly Crusher buys some material and asks to have it charged to Dr. Crusher on the Enterprise. And I just thought, how does she pay for it? She doesn't have any money. That's a, uh, a deep dive interesting comment there. I'm sure somebody's worked that out for you. <laughs> I need to Google it. <laughs> anyway, is there anything else that you want to talk about with Discovery? Anything that you're excited for in Season 4 now that we've got to a, a new kind of level of... Okay, the Federation is now set in this world. Discovery's place is set in this world. We've got new uniforms. We've got a new captain. Oh, I don't like the uniforms. Um, Ooh, well, okay. Before you say any more, what is it you don't like about the uniforms? They're just a bit grey, aren't they? They are very grey. I watched a featurette, because you know I like me a featurette on Star Trek, on how they made them. And it's all like 3D printed in like vacuum form, special materials, so that it all sits the way it does and looks the way it does. And it's... it's it, again, this is one of the things that I find really annoying when someone's like, Star Trek's shit. I hate Star Trek. It's crap. It's really shit. It's not made very well. There's so much care and attention that's put into all of it that I just find it really annoying that you can't at least acknowledge that they're trying hard to make a show, even if it's not a show that you then want to watch. And I'm sorry if you love like, TOS or Voyager and you don't like this, but you can't like everything. Continue. Um, what did I say? Uniform grey. <laughs> I mean, my only thought here was it was just a bit too grey for me. I mean, okay. that was a bit really. Sorry. <laughs> Have I found a soapbox? A little bit. I, okay. Soapbox for another minute. Oh, uh, <laughs> I'm never going to say that it's a perfect show because I tell me something that is perfect. Batman 89. <laughs> All right, yeah, that's perfect. Um, Batman Returns. But I just, like, Star Trek for me is a thing from when I was younger that was like a an aspirational point of what society could be like if it was a much better, much more inclusive, much happier place. And so the more I hear people like an unnamed YouTuber that looks like he needs a good wash talking about the fact that nobody wants to watch a black woman as a captain or have his little mate talk about how a black lesbian batwoman is the last thing that anyone want to sees because it's just homosexualness for the sake of it it just makes me want to like it even more and i think that's why i put it on a bit of a pedestal because i don't care if it's flawed i don't care if there's a bit of dodgy cgi every now and then because i'm still a bit weirded out by the fact that that jeffrey's tube behind the turbo lift was so massive that she could fly alongside a jeffrey's tube and there was like miles of space around her I just it just annoys me and makes me want to like it even more. Oh yeah, I forgot about that when they went into the turbo lift and got to see what's actually behind a turbo lift. Hmm. You've lot. I've I've got. I'm like, yeah, that was a bit big, wasn't it? But then it's a new ship. It's got new technology. Well, exactly. They've got detachable knee cells. I mean, how does that even work? Because it's like the three thousandth century. I mean, <laughs> I'm going to put my soapbox really. away and shall we park Discovery there? Uh, you can watch the entire of Star Trek Discovery Season 3 on Netflix now and Season 1 and 2. Seasons 1 and 2 are also available on DVD, Blu-ray and digital in the UK. No release date yet for Season 3 on home video, but it will be coming. But spoilers, there will be you know openness to all races and genders. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry if you don't like uh, multiple genders or uh, gender identities or sexualities, then it's probably not, it's probably not the show for you. <laughs> Very happy to see that Lower Decks is now finally available to everyone in the UK. You can catch the entire 10-episode first season on Amazon Prime UK alongside Picard. We must have talked about this probably a way back when we saw it, when it was on in America. Uh, and there's reviews of, I think, around half the season, maybe a little bit more than half the season, available on our website. But I really wanted to bring this back to just make sure that people know it's available now. You can watch it in the UK legally on Prime, and it's so worthwhile watching. Yes. Sorry, I was looking out the window. <laughs> Why? I'm just looking out the window, thinking about the Jeffrey's tube. <laughs> okay. 
Because, I mean, we've got a Star Trek chat group with some friends of ours that are maybe not huge fans of Discovery so much and are big fans. I would say Deep Space Nine is their favourite. There's an infamous video of them singing the theme tune. But they've actually both really enjoyed watching Lower Decks so far. And so I've got a feeling that it, it actually, despite being probably the most different Trek show ever made, has a lot that appeals to fans of the classic franchise recollections of your favourite moments from Star Trek Lower Deck Season 1? I don't think I had a favourite moment because you know I've got a memory like a sieve um, but I do remember thinking it was a bit nuts and because it's so different from anything you're used to seeing so, I mean you can almost say that some aspects of Star Trek are a bit stuffy mm. they're always running some sort of diagnostic uh, but this was really sort of nuts um, it poked fun at all the right stuffy bits of Star Trek yeah and having that, you know, the most important person in Star Trek history was Chief O'Brien. <laughs> yeah. And some of the best cameos. Yeah. Which I don't yes. want to spoil. Our Prime spoiled it in their trailer by putting all of them in there, oh. um, which I think is a little bit sad. But there are some great cameos from some classic characters. Yeah, just watch it. It's fine. If you don't like it, then that's fine. We were a little bit dubious going into this one because it's by uh, some of the team that works on Rick and Morty, which is not a show that we've ever really gotten into. Not that we... Don't like it. We've just never really given it a massive chance. No, I think I've only seen half of one. Yeah, and it so that made me a little bit dubious because some of that humour I'm not so keen on, but actually it surprisingly really really works. I liked it. I, I liked can't it. pick out a favourite episode actually. Thinking back on it, they had good uniforms as well. They do have good uniforms. Not grey. <laughs> no, very little grey. It's a nice step up from where they were in First Contact. And that era, which is reflected in some flashbacks to something that's a bit more like what they had in Deep Space Nine and Voyager. So it follows through very nicely, whereas I think Discovery is a, rightfully, being so far in the future, quite a step on. I'm trying to think of... It feels like ages ago since we watched it, which makes me think that we need to watch it again, Lower Decks. I think I like all the characters... I'm pretty sure I liked most of the storylines. Badgie was a little bit of an out-there concept for me. Yeah, that was like a holodeck episode taken to the extreme, but then... It's that's, a, that's what Star Trek does. It does yeah. holodeck episodes, which are completely far-fetched, and this was their way of doing that on a Rick and Morty-type scale. I think what I'd like to see from Season 2, which they're currently producing, is probably a bit more of the potential storylines that they could have at the same time i think that if they tried really hard with the writing then they could do both the kind of workplace comedy but also keep storylines from star trek as well and there were a couple of episodes that did that but not every episode yeah i like more cameos as well definitely more cameos uh not that it again needs to rely on any of those but they seem to be able to do them really well in ways that make sense to the storyline uh, certainly the season finale which has two of the best cameos does it incredibly well and one of those characters that cameos in that episode will be back in season two. Ooh. the captain of that ship Ooh. not the captain's wife though Ooh. i don't know very strange those two seem to be quite the recurring theme in uh, in New Trek, really. All right, don't give it away. Don't give it away. <laughs> All righty. Well, as I said, uh, you can watch the entire 10-episode first season of Star Trek Lower Decks on Amazon Prime. Please do let us know if you've watched it and what you thought of it. I'm intrigued to know what people uh, out there think about it now that they're able to give it a watch. Star Trek Picard Season 1 is now available on DVD, Blu-ray and digital in the UK. To which you can probably say to me, why would you buy it on DVD, digital or Blu-ray? It's available on Prime. But you know, there are some awesome special features on the home video, which I absolutely have loved watching every second of. Why do we call it home video? Because you're bringing it home on video. You're not though, are you? You're bringing it oh, home on Blu-ray, DVD or digital. <laughs> when was the last time you brought something home on video? <laughs> Well, I can't remember the last video I bought now. Oh, like 1996 or something ridiculous. <laughs> well, it's just, it's just what you call it. It's home. Well, you could call it, they do call it HE sometimes in uh, press releases, which is home entertainment. That's more inclusive, isn't it? Home entertainment. We've moved on from the days of video. True. Um, okay, I will I will adjust my behaviour and refer to it as home entertainment from now on. Oh, and having to rewind them? Oh, that's always a wee bugger, isn't it? You get doing, pop it in. No wee round. <laughs> Play me your tracking. Oh, get the tracking going. It's gone all funny. Sorry. 
if you could just pull yourself back from the 1990s. I made you watch some of the special features on Star Trek Picard. You did. I'm not a massive special feature kind of guy, but I did learn some stuff. Some of them are all right. Tell me about what you learned. I can't remember, but I learned some <laughs> bits. Um, set design. A lot of set design. Who knew that the Borg cube was made of little cubes? I know. So... That was a bit meta. Cube within a cube. Yeah. The Borg cube that you see throughout Star Trek Picard Season 1 is actually one... Malleable? Is that the word I want to use? Set. So it's columns of cubes which are all completely interconnected and movable so that they can just change it to whatever was needed for the set on the day sounded like they got a little bit bored of it by the end of season one it's like giant lego it is like giant it basically was giant lego it's very exciting i also really enjoyed hearing about some of the smaller details so one thing that about the ball cube which did bother me was the floor <laughs> which sounds so sad now that i've said it out loud um i wouldn't tell people that but <laughs> continue well no they they then explained it didn't they it was actually part of the thought process for the show was that that was flooring and stuff that had been put in by the romulans to adapt it for what it was being used for as a, a whatever they were calling it it was just called the what was the, it called the artifact artifact i was going to call it the architect for some reason yeah so as they took it over and were using it to excavate and understand the Borg technology they put that in as part of their kind of building their way into it to live on it there you go. And that's the level of detail that I really enjoy with Star Trek. I find with some other stuff when you watch bonus features, there's not that level of thought process. So like the props guy, what did you think about the uh, the feature about props? Oh, sorry. Why are you laughing? You went, the props, man. <laughs> I like the props. <laughs> sorry, I like that. And I like the fact that they got the old prop people, makeup people back. Yeah, so a lot of the people that worked on Picard Season 1 were actually people who had worked on Voyager and other Star Trek shows in the past. So you spend some time with Jerry Ryan while she's getting her makeup done for her return to Seven of Nine, and it's basically the same guy that used to do her makeup back on Voyager. And mm. that's, I mean, that's a level of craftsmanship on TV back then that you, you know, it was unparalleled. You didn't see that in other TV shows particularly. So who do you want when you start making a new Star Trek show? You want the people that made Star Trek in the first place. Which is another reason, and I bring it back to my soapbox, why I find it so funny when you watch these people talk about how there's no reverence for old Trek because they don't understand what they're talking about, which made by many of the same people. It's just different writers and different showrunners. But, you know, your props are being built by the same people. You had a props library full of old stuff. Man, I would love a phaser. God, I didn't realise the amount of detail that goes into a phase of the lights, the extendability, things you don't even see happening on screen. Like, oh yes, it does this, it makes a cup of tea, you can hoover with it. I mean, my God. Funny, isn't it? I know. This is why I dig watching special features so much, because you learn so many things that are probably, in the grand scheme of things, completely meaningless. But it just makes you understand a little bit more about the care and attention that people put in. Which is why, I mean, I get stick for very rarely giving up like a, a genuinely negative review of something. But I don't like... That's why I'm here. Yes. But <laughs> I, don't, I don't like to say something is... Like, no care and attention was put into something like that. Because, okay, it may not turn out great in the end. But nobody goes into something like that going, well, I'm just going to give a half-assed job because what's the point? Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if they had a real-life working replica. Of? A replicator. Oh, sorry. I thought you said a real-life replica. I'm like, of? <laughs> of a replicator. What's well, a 3D printer. Well, it's not, you can't 3D print a cup of tea, though, can you? No, but it's that's the principle of it. We're getting there. I bet, the, I bet somebody's almost there. Somebody in the wee back office in the prop department's like, I'm going to play a wee trick here. just going to point out there's a cat purring in my lap, just in case you can hear a strange sort of like... <sighs> Did you heavy breathing on the mic? Star Trek. <laughs> I'm very wheezy today. Leave me be. Um, what else did you learn? Well, we don't. I was, what I was about to say was we don't need to go over the episodes because we talked about Picard at length before. It's oh, one of your favourite shows from last year. It's one of my favourite shows from last year, even if I've got to put it in my chart because I was busy talking about the flight attendant. Mm -hmm. uh, what else did I learn? I learned about. Uh, I, I did learn a lot about set design. I also learned a lot about how Jonathan Frakes and Patrick Stewart work together thanks to the gag reel. I've got four Olivier's, don't you know? <laughs> They're quite funny, aren't they? They are very funny. And it's it's nice to see that they 
that it's it is like an old family that's just reunited and working together again. Yeah, two grumpled men have an argument, but they love each other really. Yeah, they are. Well, I mean, they even say to each other at one point, "I love you." Yeah, it's a really nice Blu-ray package, though. Star Trek is something that I think, and I'm not. No one's paid me to say this. I did not get a free copy. Uh, Star Trek is one of those shows that, because the people that make it have so much love for it, that when they release it on DVD and Blu-ray, they do put a lot of care and attention into things like gag reels and featurettes because they know that people that watch it want to look at how they make it. And this is a this is a prime example of that, I think. Agreed. Not a huge amount of news on Picard season two, but it is due to start filming next week. I think everyone's kind of starting to circle in on the set and they're beginning to get the cameras rolling. I hope everybody is doing all they can to protect Sir Patrick of Stewart. Absolutely. We still think that they're filming seasons two and three back to back, which is interesting. I would imagine maybe that's it then. This isn't the show that's going to run for seven, eight, nine seasons. So I reckon they've probably... Mm. written everything that they need to do and they'll they'll do the next couple of seasons and, and Picard will, will happily retire. Did it say this is a kind of show that's not going to run for seven of nine seasons? <laughs> no, but well done on a Star Trek themed joke. You might say I made it so. In terms of my running order for today's podcast, the next thing on the list is the state of Star Trek today. But I feel like I personally... I think you've done that to death. I've said enough. Um, final thoughts from you about... I mean, I've, I have exposed you <laughs> slightly. I mean, to, I know I'm cold, but... <laughs> to some of this uh, kind of discourse and stuff that's on YouTube because I just... I struggle to understand how these people believe in some of the things that they're saying. But what do you think about that? Tell me honestly what you think about it. I mean, even if that is... Do you know what? I just, I just don't care. Um, I just don't listen to them because I just can't bear it. I mean, the world is a very sad place as it is at the minute. And to then watch some of the things that they're saying, you think, Jesus Christ, just don't don't pay them any attention. I mean, this I think this is the root of the problem, really. They've got, you've given certain people a voice and it's just a bit... Not me personally. Not, well, <laughs> not you personally. That's a different podcast. Um I don't know. I mean, I just think it's really sad. I think there's enough problems in the world without having to focus on is that a female captain? Is it a captain of colour? Is it a non-binary person? I mean, really, at the end of the day, does it really matter? Is it really impacting on your life so much in your little room in the middle of nowhere that you've got to spread so much hate and vileness to upset everybody else? Just, if you don't like it, don't watch it. Watch something old before we had all this openness. So I just can't be dealing with it. So I don't engage with any of it. No. I mean, that's the kind of thing where I, I just block it on YouTube and once I've seen it once, I don't need to see it again and that I get I get rid of it. I just find it unbelievable. And the reason that I, I'm probably exposed to it more than you do is because I run the social media for, for us. When I put like a picture of Burnham in the captain's chair from the finale of Discovery that there was just an overwhelming amount of this isn't Star Trek, yeah, 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 blah, 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 blah. And so I, I, I kind of can't avoid it. I have to confront it in a way in that I then just either delete those messages, tell them that they don't belong in our comment section or block them altogether. But mm. it's just, it's the kind of thing that I, I feel like I have to deal with just because I'm editing all of this. Yeah, I'd just tweet about like pain or healthcare or cake. So cake, I sort of right now, my... I could definitely go for a slice of cake. Well, we've got some cake. Got some cake in the cupboard. So that, unless you have anything else that you want to say about Star Trek. No, I think, you know, just watch it. Just enjoy it. Don't worry. We've not talked about movies, but I feel like I've probably said enough this week. <laughs> well, I mean, movies, I'll watch them. Make some more. It's fine. I wholeheartedly agree. Make some more. Janeway, make a Voyager movie. Crack on. Well, uh, yeah, I, it's, again, that's another thing we've talked about is the fact that we've got Star Trek Prodigy, the animated series, with Kate Mulgrew back as Catherine Janeway. We've got Brave New Worlds coming up. We've got Section 31, 37? Section 31 coming up as well. There is, there's plenty of Star Trek to come. Keep it coming. You've heard enough from us now, so why don't you tell us what you think about Star Trek, which is your favourite of the current shows, which is your favourite of the old shows, what are you looking forward to most from the shows that aren't out yet, what would you like to see them do that they've not done yet, what would you like to see in the movies, 
keep it clean, keep it nice. We are an inclusive family here. Just be kind to each other. I mean, I think that's all we can do, really. We've all got opinions. We've all got different viewpoints. And that's fine. I think we don't... I know you're on your wee soapbox there. I don't know why I've gone really Lillian Kelly for some reason. <laughs> like I'm talking at the end of a chat show. For, I was about to say, for anybody that's not in the UK and doesn't understand Lorraine Kelly, that's a uh, morning breakfast TV host who is Scottish and uh, is kind of like a mummy figure to the country. That's, I must be channeling now. I did watch a wee bit of her. What was I saying? Just be nice. That's all I'm going to say. Everybody got their opinions. You don't have to like everything. We don't have to like each other. Just be kind. And that's all you can ask for. I think that's the closest I've ever seen to you being on a soapbox. So as I was saying, if you would like to get in touch with us, then you can find us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook as uh, Get Your Comic On. You can find me on social media as just at Neil Varick and Martin as at Boy Wonder 1989. <laughs> Last episode, we told you that we were launching a Patreon, which is available now, patreon.com forward slash getyourcomicon. I said I wasn't going to do any more hard sell, which I'm not. But what we are here to do is give a shout out to our patrons. We have our first one. So a massive hello, super friend. Thank you to uh, the absolutely wonderful Gothamite Claire. Very welcome in our little get your comic-con family yes i think she was the first person that got the super friend badge as well i believe she was she is we love her put it that way we'll have to make another badge a super duper friend (laughs) the league of extraordinary super friends oh fancy now anyway uh if you if you want to sign up i'm not giving the hard sell patreon.com forward slash get your comic-con god Uh, that's going to be a big badge league of extraordinary super friends that's a lot of text to go on a a button badge We'll be back in a couple of weeks. Uh, I have no idea what we're going to be talking about because I'm flying by the seat of my pants at the moment. Oh, let's bring back the comic review. We've not done a comic review. I know. Review. We need to talk about some comics. We keep saying we need to talk about some comics. We need to properly talk about some comics. Oh, let's talk about Sandman. We can talk about Sandman. Uh, DC Future State is also well and truly uh, go up and running. It'll be heading into its second month. So it'd be nice to talk about some of the stuff that DC are doing in that as well. So until next time, stay safe, stay well, be kind to each other. Uh, We have been Neil and Martin, as always, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye!